Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast and we have an amazing guest today. Uh, this is, um, wow, I'm just blown away by um, uh, this doctor. Her name is Dr. Ronnie and she is a functional medicine doctor, but she also specializes in working with the visual system. So kind of a great combo. A lot of things I talk about. Uh, she uh, offers a unique approach to managing conditions such as dry eye, macular degeneration, blepharitis, uh, thyroid disease, eye disease, uveitis, and other autoimmune diseases. She's the founder of two Facebook groups, uh, Envision Health and I Am My Brain. And she shared with me that she has a new book that's going to be coming out probably the end of January 2020, uh, and it's an integrative approach to uh, age-related macular degeneration. She also has a big presence on Instagram, so you can find her there. And uh, so I'd like to, Dr. Ronnie, I'd like to invite you to the show. Thanks for taking the time. So I think uh, one of the questions that I have that I am most curious about is your story. Uh, how did you get into all this? Uh, give us a little background. Introduce my community to you. Sure. Well, thank you. So, um, so I actually, I started out in medicine doing the traditional route. I, act, I went to medical school. I did a residency in ophthalmology. I did a fellowship in neuro-ophthalmology. And I was practicing academic medicine for about 15, 16 years. And so, um, you know, that's, that's what I was doing. That's what I thought I would be doing for the rest of my career. But then I started to have some health issues myself. And uh, my main health issue was migraine. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because here I am, an ophthalmologist, neuro-ophthalmologist. I have a lot of migraine patients in my practice, and I myself was suffering from the same condition. And so I went to see uh, numerous doctors. I live in New York City. So I went to all the top, you know, academic institutions. I saw many doctors who specialize in headaches. And all they would do is just write me a prescription. So I got prescription after prescription after prescription. And nothing was helping me. I was having a migraine basically every single day for over two years. So finally, I decided to take matters into my own hands. And I said, there must be a better way. There has to be a better way to treat this instead of all these you know, crazy medications that were making me feel like a zombie. So, so I started to do some research, and there is indeed, there's a huge amount of research done on natural ways, so supplements, botanicals, and the main thing is lifestyle changes and managing your, your sleep, your diet, your stress level. I mean, there's so many things that not one of my doctors had ever asked me about. And, you know, when I learned about this, I said, wow, you know, I can really take my own issue, my own health into my own hands. I can make changes and make a difference. And so then I became introduced to the world of functional medicine. And um, I don't know if any of your listeners are, are um, familiar, but there's an there's a organization called Institute for Functional Medicine, or IFM. And it's a very large organization around the world. And basically, it's not just um, doctors. It's actually 
all kinds of other providers as well. So there are MDs, NDs, chiropractors, dietitians, um, nurse practitioners, um, health coaches. So we all come together to approach conditions using a functional perspective. So what does that mean? Um, it means getting to the root cause of someone's problem. And I, once you identify it, finding out where the imbalances are coming from and then addressing the imbalances. So, um, so you know, this whole kind of discovery changed my own life. It changed my own health because I'm doing much, much better now. And it actually made me think about my career and what I needed to do to really be able to help people in the way that I was able to help myself. So I quit my job. Um, and this was about three years ago. And, you know, I just said I need to do my own thing. So I opened up my own practice. And this way I can provide the care to my patients that I think they really deserve, they really need. So, you know, typically an eye, eye visit is anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes with your doctor. And But I, in order to do, use this functional medicine approach, it takes sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours with a patient. And Dr. Byrne, you probably know this. I mean, it's, it's not simple. It's, you know, it's trying to manage someone's issues from many different angles and it requires time. So um, I'm able to do that in my practice. Now, I still maintain an academic affiliation. So I still teach. I teach residents. I teach fellows um, in my previous institution. And I still do some research. So I'm still kind of a hybrid. So I have my private practice where I do more of an integrative holistic approach. And then I have um, the other aspects as well. So I think it's a good balance. Well, an inspirational story for sure. And uh, sometimes that's what it takes, you know, where one's own health gets challenged and then you start questioning, you know, what else you can do. I mean, I, I go through this all the time with, uh, you know, talking to different doctors and they're just not open to what we're talking about. And yet it makes so much sense. It's so, so effective. And so we're going to get into some of the, some of your philosophies and your details. Um, so in your, from your perspective, uh, what is the number one step people should do to take care of their eye health better? Oh, that's a great question. So I would say number one, two, and three have to okay. do with diet. Okay. And by far, I think what we're putting into our bodies trumps everything else. If we can provide our bodies with the proper nutrients, mainly antioxidants, but mm -hmm. there's some other agents as well, um, to fight against simple things like dry eye or maybe mm -hmm. some other things that happen down the road, for example, cataracts, macular degeneration, even glaucoma, mm -hmm. um, I think that is the one piece of um, the puzzle that is paramount in terms of you know, preserving eye health. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think we can use food as medicine. And um, yeah, if we look at the standard American diet, it's, it's, it's pretty sad. So, um, so more specifically, uh, you know, when you count... Actually, I, I was recently speaking with someone and I mentioned sad and he uh -huh. said, well, you know what? I actually call it dad, uh -huh. dead, deadly American diet. Yeah, de dad, said, yeah. well, I wouldn't go so far as to call it dad. But. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I probably would. It's. It's amazing to me um, because we do. We also we take a history where we want to see what people are eating every day, and you know, right there, that's a that's a game changer. Um, so, what what foods do you uh, recommend for people that they eat to provide better eye health? 
So um, plant-rich is is my philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm not saying plant-based. I'm not saying go vegetarian or mm-hmm. vegan, um, mm-hmm. but plant-rich, which means that the plants have so many amazing nutrients, some of which we don't completely even understand. But the larger group is they're polyphenols, and they have amazing antioxidant properties. Mm-hmm. They're anti-inflammatory. Um, you can even call them anti-aging. And what mm-hmm. I typically say is the more color you have in your diet, the better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, have a rainbow of colors in your diet. So let's say you're having 21 meals a week. Um, choose a different color to have with every single meal. So mix it up. You have your mm-hmm. greens, have some mm-hmm. yellows, reds, mm-hmm. um, oranges. Make sure you get the blues and purples in there, so maybe even some blacks. So if you have a different colored fruit or vegetable with every meal, you will pretty much cover all of your bases mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For in terms of providing all those essential nutrients. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, that, that really helps people. So let's run through the list uh, just very briefly. The big three that, you know, more and more elders are suffering what would be, you know, just very specifically um, and briefly, macular degeneration? What, what, what's your protocol for that? Okay, so, um, so I have actually very detailed protocol that okay. I'm outlining in my book, but sure. I would say um, make sure you have um, good sources of, well, not good sources, but enough lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin, or perhaps mm-hmm. even astaxanthin in mm-hmm. your diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so lutein is what I call vitamin L. Um, it's a carotenoid. It's mm-hmm. a yellow pigmented molecule. It actually, mm-hmm. it, it's naturally present in our retinas and it acts as a filter. So it filters out potentially harmful rays. So UV rays, blue, blue light rays. Um, so it's, it's like, almost like having a sunscreen inside your eyes. And um, unfortunately, most people probably don't get enough lutein in their diet. And I think the recommendation is about six, six and a half milligrams a day. Mm -hmm. So it is really difficult to get enough of that just from food alone. Mm -hmm. And the best foods include green leafy vegetables, perhaps even egg yolk. If if you do eat animal products, uh, maize, orange peppers, yellow peppers, Mm -hmm. these are great sources of lutein. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, because, again, it is difficult to get enough in your diet. Um, it may be best, you know, if you do have a family history of macular degeneration or perhaps if you've been um, diagnosed with an early stage, it may be best to use a supplement that has lutein. And most supplements have anywhere between 10 to 20 milligrams of lutein. So, um, again, diet is, is number one, but mm-hmm. it may, may help to you know, give that extra boost. And zeaxanthin is um, a similar molecule, molecule to lutein. It's concentrated right in the macula, mm-hmm. uh, which is really important for in prevention of macular degeneration. Um, again, it acts as a, as a, a, a filter for, for certain wavelengths of light. Zeaxanthin is even harder to get in your diet. So um, orange uh, types of uh, fruits and vegetables, so um, yellow pepper, I'm sorry, orange peppers, different kinds of squash, so acorn squash, butternut squash, um, these are great sources of zeaxanthin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, of course, the supplement if necessary. And astaxanthin is a really interesting um, molecule. So it's also a carotenoid, but it's more of a red pigment. And um, it typically it is, it's made by algae. So it's made mm-hmm. by these microalgae when they're stressed in mm-hmm. certain environments. And so when uh, marine animals eat this microalgae, then they become rich in astaxanthin. So uh, mm-hmm. most sources of astaxanthin are marine-based. Mm-hmm. So uh, certain types of fish, um, even shellfish. Uh, uh, let's see what else. Um, 
I'm blanking right here, but <laughs> maybe you can help me, Dr. Sam. What are some of the great sources of astaxanthin? Well, you know, it's interesting about astaxanthin because a lot of my community are vegan and vegetarian, so they can't even do seafood. Um, there's um, a new um, algae uh, supplement out there that's uh, omega. Well, no, it's a it's an algae that um, uh, you can get in a, a zeaxanthin form. But mostly, you you do get your um, if you're going to get it through foods, you have to get it through a marine carotenoid, which is why I I recommend somewhere between ten and twelve milligrams of astaxanthin. If somebody has got, um, you know, macular degeneration, but it, it's a little trickier with um, with that if you're vegan or vegetarian. So, um, and then yeah. plus the, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, I think there probably will in the next in the coming years there will probably be vegetarian and vegan friendly options mm-hmm. because um, I actually um, I did a white paper for a company called Algatech and they actually grow the algae. Um, in, uh-huh. in, the, in, in the deserts of Israel. Oh, so they, nice. they get the astaxanthin from the algae themselves. So it's more of a pure form, not mm-hmm. a marine-based form. So mm-hmm. hopefully that will be in more products um, down the line. But uh, right now I'm not aware of any true yeah. vegan or vegetarian-friendly yeah. astaxanthin either. products yeah. out there. Uh, so we, we are talking with Dr. Ronnie. She is uh, an award-winning associate professor of ophthalmology, and she's a functional medicine doctor. She practices in New York City, and she has a new book that's going to be coming out uh, January 2020, An Integrative Approach to Age-Related Macular Degeneration, and she's uh, generously uh, sharing her time with us today. So I, I want to move on to a few more uh, questions. Do you, uh, do you have any advice for my community about cataracts? Sure. So um, first of all, I want to say eventually we all get cataracts. Um, it's, it's a natural part of the aging process, and people develop them at different stages of their lives. So some people may develop them earlier on, maybe in their 50s or 60s. Other people maybe later on in their 70s or 80s. But um, cataracts are mainly due to oxidative damage. So if you can try to prevent um, oxidative damage to your lens by including some of those nutrient, uh, great nutrient foods that we talked about. But also UV protection is so important. And, um, you know, yes, we, the sun provides many different wavelengths of light. Some wavelengths are good. Some, when in direct kind of um, or high concentrations, can cause oxidative damage. So what I typically tell people is to wear UV protection. That's UVA and UVB blocking. Um, or you can wear, if you don't want to wear sunglasses, you can wear a wide-brimmed hat um, just to protect your eyes. So, um Again, you know, there, there are different kind of philosophies about this because I know some people do uh, sunning in the morning, mm-hmm. which, which, is, which is great as well. Uh, but as long as you're not exposing your eyes to wavelengths for a prolonged period of time, um, that, would be, that would be my suggestion. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, down the road, there, there are some research studies that are looking at um, other ways to prevent cataracts. So there was a very interesting study using a compound called lanosterol, mm-hmm. and um, they found that in um, in certain animals, in animal studies, that it 
actually prevented and maybe even reversed cataracts. Mm -hmm. But um, when they tried to study this in humans, um, it didn't necessarily translate. So it didn't have the same effect. And and unfortunately, we don't exactly know why. There is some difference in physiology, of course. But I think that, you know, down the road, you know, I don't, I can't say exactly when, but I would say probably within the next 10 or maybe even 15 years, there will be some form of an eye drop or some other, mm-hmm. you know, treatment, non-invasive mm-hmm. treatment that will hopefully prevent these cataracts from developing that mm-hmm. we all eventually will get. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I I, I, I just saw yeah I just saw a study that came down uh, last night and it was on uh, using stem cell therapy to uh, support a healthy lens and um, so there's all kinds of possibilities out there. I've seen some preliminary studies with the connection of glutathione to lens health. Um, Dr. Andy Weil put out a study in 2016 on vitamin C and uh, lower risk of developing cataracts. I do think that uh, people that eat, you know, high sugar, um, you know, with the connection of diabetes and uh, cataracts, I've seen that connection. Maybe you have too. But I'm with you. I think the diet is number one at being proactive. It's slowing down the natural progression of, of uh, you know, developing cataracts. Um, my, my concern comes in also with the digital devices, which well, let's talk about blue light. And do you feel that blue light has a negative effect on our eyes at all? Absolutely. So, so um, I think we should first just separate out the short-term effects of blue light and then the long-term effects. Okay. So let's talk about long-term effects first. So you know, there is this concern that you know these blue light wavelengths, they're very short, high-energy wavelengths mm-hmm. that, um, that are between the 400 to 500 nanometer um, part of the spectrum, visible spectrum, that these rays may actually predispose us to blindness, that they may actually... Um, damage our photoreceptors in our retinas, cause those photoreceptors to die and lead to blindness. Now, if that were really true, I mean, we would have an epidemic of blindness on our hands because most of us spend so much time in front of screens or other devices that emit this blue light. So, so fortunately, that hasn't happened. There is a study that I do want to just discuss very briefly. So there's a study that came out in 2018, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you probably are familiar with this study. Um, there were some researchers from the University of um, Ohio at Toledo, mm-hmm. um, and they, what they did was they took some cells, they put them in a petri dish, and they exposed them to really high energy blue light wavelengths. And what they found was that those cells died. And so the, the researchers concluded that high energy blue light will kill your eyes and make us all blind. Now, let's try to break down that study a little bit. So, um, so the, the cells that the researchers took were actually not retinal cells, they weren't mm-hmm. eye cells at all, mm-hmm. they were cervical cancer cells. Oh and so they have a different physiology. They have different mechanisms of protection. So they're not photoreceptors. And so these cells died because perhaps they didn't have the, the protection that photoreceptors may have. So, um, so just keep that in mind that, you know, that there is, there is kind of a, um, you know, uh, a bias in terms of how the study was performed. So um, in terms of long-term effects, again, there's no proof that blue light will cause blindness. But short-term, absolutely, blue light can cause what I like to call the syndrome of digital eye strain, or some people call it computer vision syndrome. So it can cause blurry vision, light sensitivity, headaches, 
just the feeling of discomfort. Mm -hmm. And um, some of that has to do with the actual wavelengths of light, but some of that also has to do with our screens. So we all have, our screens have an inherent flicker rate. Mm -hmm. And so they're constantly flickering on and off. And it's because um, they're developed to save battery life. Mm -hmm. And our eyes can become very, very sensitive to that constant flicker rate. So it's not, again, not just the blue light, but it could be the blue light in combination with the flicker rate that can cause this short-term digital eye strain. Mm-hmm. And um, and most of us spend you know hours and hours a day in front of a screen. I think mm-hmm. the average, the latest average number that came out is something crazy like 11 hours a day for adults and six and a half hours a day for kids, which is really, I mean, it's mind-boggling, but it's mm-hmm. true. Um, so, so in order to, to kind of counteract all of that blue light exposure, um, there's a couple of great tips that that people can incorporate to you know to prevent against this digital eye strain. So um, number one, I usually recommend a screen filter mm-hmm. that people can download that they can put on their screen. So mm-hmm. I like um, Iris Tech. That's mm-hmm. my, my to-go screen filter. Mm-hmm. So iristech.co. Um, you can download it. It's a free trial. I think it's maybe like a two-week trial and then purchase it isn't that too expensive i think it's about forty dollars and not only does iris tech block out the blue light but it can adjust the setting based on where you are where Mm. your time zone is so after Mm. a certain time of the evening it will block out all the blue light you can put it to that setting where it automatically Mm. knows where you are and it blocks out the blue light the other great thing about iris tech is that it actually takes out the flicker rate from screens. Mm, And so I really like that because um, I have a lot of migraine patients, as I was mentioning, Mm -hmm. and many of my Mm -hmm. migraine patients are so light sensitive. Mm -hmm. So um, so it's great for that. The other app that's out there is called Flux. Mm -hmm. So F.LUX. Um, I've tried it. I'm, I'm not a, a huge fan, but I don't, I don't know, Dr. Byrne, if, if you've tried it as well, what your thoughts are on these apps uh, for blue light, you know, blue light moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, love to hear your thoughts. Okay. Well, um, Iris Tech, I hadn't heard of them, and, and I'm going to check them out. Uh, that sounds like a great option for people because I get that question a lot. Uh, the F.Lux. I am not that impressed with it. Um, you know, in, in my community, people are using blue blocking lenses. You can either get the, the tint, which is the orange-yellow uh, tint, or you can get a filter. Blue. This is in the glasses. And people see, especially in my private practice, people seem to choose one or the other. And, uh, you know, my group is a little more kind of on the edge and more proactive around the blue light uh, issue. Um, some of my patients, when they work at night, uh, they don't sleep as well. Um, there may be a connection to blue light and the suppression of melatonin. Um, but I, I think that um, it's something that we need to do more research on. I think the French government actually came out with a 400-page study uh, this was like their FDA, and the results showed that there may be uh, a possibility that exposure to blue light, especially with children, uh, could have a negative impact uh, on, uh, on eye health. So I think the jury is still out. I think we need to do more research on it. But I definitely counsel my patients about the possible ill effects of blue light, and I love that you're talking about it uh, because... Uh, we need to have more of our eye doctors at least know about it and investigate it. So thank you for your 
your exploration with it. Um, I want. If I could just add yeah, one please. More, one yeah. more comment about blue light. So, sure. So blue light is, yeah, as I mentioned before, between 400 to 500 nanometers. Uh, 400 to 450 is the more risky high energy blue light. Mm-hmm. Most of our devices give off slightly longer wavelengths, so mm-hmm. 460 to 470 or so, 475, mm-hmm. which hopefully is not going to be yeah. as toxic to our eyes. Sure. But there's also the longer blue light wavelengths, you know, mm-hmm. between let's say 570 to sorry 470 to 500, sure. which may actually be beneficial. So not all blue light is bad. So actually, blue light is used to is used treat seasonal affective disorder and there's some other um, conditions that's actually used to treat so it's all about the wavelength and the timing so um so i think again we still have a lot to learn about mm-hmm. the long-term effects of blue light mm-hmm. um i actually i i, I like uh, blue blockers a lot i actually use i have these right oh, yeah. here in front of there my computer go. so yeah. these are a pretty um dark dark yeah. tint And um, so there are different grades of blue light blockers that you can get. So, you know, if you have some mild symptoms, you may want to use a lighter tint. But if you're having, you know, more, if you're working late into the night, you're having trouble falling asleep, you may want to get a darker tinted lens. And the way that you know it's really working is if you put it on. And if you can still see a bright blue on your screen, mm-hmm. you know it's not blocking out 100% of the blue light. So sure. kind of you just have to gauge, you know, what you're doing, what time you're doing it, and what yeah. type of tinted lens may be best for you. So yeah. um, just kind of thinking yeah. about that if so, you're planning to purchase blue blockers. Um, I, I'm so glad you brought up the 470 range of the blue light. I, I received a question not too long ago um, about blue light and some of the benefits. So there's a group out there called the College of Syntonic Optometry. And Syntonics, S-Y-N-T-O-N-I-C, they should know about you. Uh, This is a group of eye doctors that treat people with color therapy. And um, I've used color therapy in my practice for 35 years. And we use a blue color that actually uh, stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system that can um, relax the visual system. In some cases, maybe help support a reduction in inflammation and edema in the eye. And so there's, you know, uh, damaging blue and then there's, uh, you know, healthy blue. And I'm so glad you brought that out because I got a lot of questions about that and had to do a video blog on it and, and describing the differences. And because some light is very important to us, you know, light is a food that supports our pineal gland, our pituitary, our endocrine system and our vision. Uh, so... Again, these are the nuances, but thank you for 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 making that distinction. I think that's uh, my community is going to be really happy that they're hearing this from another source and not just me. Um, no, I love that yeah. approach. I'm just learning about light therapy, and okay. it's just so fascinating. It's really I mean, good. I'm just enthralled yeah. by it. It's so, really good. Um, I will definitely look into that. So, yeah. syntonic optometry. Yeah, yeah. They they would. And, you know, they probably could have you come as a, a speaker and you'd, you'd be exposed to several hundred eye doctors and um, they would love your message. Uh, and with your book on integrative macular degeneration, they would love it. So um, I want to move on to a couple of other things before we run out of time. What is your take on dry eye? How do you what, what's your perspective on that and what do you like to use to support people? 
Yeah, so so there are different types of dry eye. Mm-hmm. So I would say the first order of business is to figure out what kind of dry eye do you have. So, um, for example, are you just not producing enough tears, which is more mm-hmm. of the rare form, or are you producing enough tears but they're not staying, they're just evaporating. So it's called mm-hmm. evaporative dry eye. The majority of the population, when they do have dry eye, it is evaporative dry eye. And typically it's because the oil layer, which is the very surface layer of our tears, mm-hmm. is just not stable. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most people have this issue because they have inflammation of their glands within their eyelids, their meibomian glands. So I do mm-hmm. use, um, in, this is a, a perfect example of how I use a kind of a root cause analysis, mm-hmm. functional medicine approach. And, um, and I try to figure out where their inflammation is coming from. Mm-hmm. So perhaps, you know, it's not enough omega-3s or maybe it's an mm-hmm. imbalance between omega-6 and omega-3, too much omega-6, mm-hmm. not enough omega-3. <laughs> perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it's stress-related. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've heard this from patients, but I definitely have heard this when patients are under stress, mm-hmm. many symptoms get worse, including dry eye. Yes. So, And I do realize when people are just more calm, their dry eye tends to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's another thing I address. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use in my practice, I use um, my, bo- my bomography. So I look at oh. the glands. I look mm-hmm. to see structurally if nice. they're intact, if they're plugged up. Um, mm-hmm. In some patients, if the glands are structurally intact, but they're clogged, then sometimes I use um, some treatments to try to unclog the glands. Mm-hmm. So uh, Blefex is a treatment that can just unclog the, the surface of the eyelid, mm-hmm. or Lipiflow is a treatment that actually gets mm-hmm. to the gland itself. It actually basically cleans out the gland. Mm-hmm. It's like a deep clean for your, for your yes. oil, for oil glands. Um, and then I also use um, I also use essential oils in my practice. Okay. And for dry eye and um, I know, eyelid gland issues, I love tea tree oil, which is melaleuca oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are different ways to do this. Um, there's actually a, a brand out there. I think it's called Clarid. I want to say it's called Claridex or Clarinex. It's a, it's a dilute solution of melaleuca tea tree oil, which comes in a white mm-hmm. formulation. So you can use it just to clean the edges of your lids. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I found very effective in my patients is um, to use that tea tree oil in a diffuser. Uh-huh. So you you know just put a couple of drops into a diffuser, put your head over the diffuser, put a towel over your head, mm-hmm. and maybe do that for five minutes twice mm-hmm. a day. And then that kind of gets you know right to your eyelids and um, it's diluted. So again, don't use it directly because it'll be very, very caustic. So you really have mm-hmm. to dilute it down to yeah. maybe a 5% solution or even less sure. um, if you're going to put it anywhere near your eyes. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, again, it's, it's a very kind of a, a more of a holistic approach. It's not mm-hmm. just use some drops and, you know, see me in three months. Yeah. It's, you know, let's try to figure out really what's, what's causing this problem and, and address it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we definitely connect on a lot of levels there. Um, essential oils are one of my main go-tos and uh, they can be really fantastic at oxygenating and hydrating the eye tissue but you have to you can't use it directly in the eye and but um, wonderful it's great to hear uh, that uh, approach Uh, so one or two more questions. Uh, what's your what's your hot take on glaucoma? I know that's a very complicated disease, and um, but, but what's your just you know general strategy? What do you think about glaucoma? How do you how do you treat that? Mm-hmm. So um, 
you know, there are different metrics we use to measure mm-hmm. damage in glaucoma. Eye mm-hmm. pressure tends to be the number one. Mm-hmm. And most treatments are aimed at lowering eye pressure. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of botanical agents that have actually been shown to lower eye pressure. Mm-hmm. So um, pycnogenol is, mm-hmm. is, um, is one of them, as well as uh, myrtocyan, which comes mm-hmm. from the European bilberry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really fascinating. So it's actually been shown in a clinical study to lower eye pressure by several points. But mm-hmm. it's not mainstream. Mm-hmm. So most eye care providers, I mean, before I learned about functional medicine, I'd never even heard of this before. Sure. So um, so it is, you know, something that people can add as a supplement that can maybe give them a couple of, that, you know, points, lower pressure naturally rather than to take a drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of um, glaucoma, I think there are other a couple of other agents that are very effective as well. So you had mm-hmm. mentioned glutathione. Mm-hmm. So as an antioxidant, that's a wonderful um uh, you know, a supplement to take. So unfortunately, most oral glutathione does not get well mm-hmm. absorbed. Mm-hmm. So um, you could do reduced glutathione or perhaps even if um, if you have access, IV glutathione sure. can be very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also resveratrol, yes. which is um, a polyphenol found in mm-hmm. red wine, grapes, mm-hmm. the, the, um, mm-hmm. the skin of grapes, red grapes, for example. Um, so I, I, I tend to incorporate a lot of these um, other kind of approaches inside. I do practice the traditional way as well. So mm-hmm. if a patient really needs a drop, I sure. do prescribe a drop. But sure. I try to incorporate some of these other um, kind of, uh, I don't want to call them alternative therapies. Yes. These are not alternative therapies. Yes. I would call them complementary therapies sure. uh, into the regimen. Yes. And exercise is so important. And, yes. um, you know, if, if you do have an exercise regimen, just check with your eye doctor first mm-hmm. um, because there are certain types of glaucoma for which certain types of exercise may be best. So, for example, mm-hmm. if you have pigment dispersion glaucoma, yeah. perhaps you know uh, aerobic exercise or something where you're jumping up and down may not be the best form of exercise for mm-hmm. you. So, just you know, if you're going to embark on an exercise regimen, just talk to your doctor about what would be uh, suitable for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I love what you're saying, and you know, in in being immersed in holistic eye care. Um, People are going to love your message. And as you probably know that, um, you know, most of the eye care out there is allopathically based and patients are frustrated. They want other alternatives or, as you say, complementary methods. And, um, you know, as you put your message out there, um, it's definitely going to be received very positively by uh, people. And so many people are not getting their needs met and are going to love your message. So um, uh, everything that you say about glaucoma, I'm, I do as well. And um, uh, that's fantastic. And some, sometimes, you know, I do have to do more, you know, traditional treatments. So uh, that's really holistic in my view is being able to use both allopathic and complementary methods. So, um, so uh, we're, go ahead, dear. I want to applaud you because you've been on this path for for so long. You're truly a pioneer. So when I when I saw are. your your Facebook page and your blogs, I just love your message and Thank and you. you're really um, someone to look up to and aspire to. So uh, so yes, I have my message, but we're completely in line with our yeah. mindset and our thought process. And again, yeah. I want to thank you for getting this out there mm-hmm. to such a large community because mm-hmm. um, pe- people are frustrated. You know, they yeah. are frustrated. They don't want to 
to have, you know, be on treatments forever Mm -hmm. um, or have injections in their eyes for macular degeneration Mm -hmm. or have a surgery done. So it really is so important to try to incorporate other methods to promote vision, to preserve vision and Mm -hmm. start early. So Mm -hmm. I tell my patients, and I'm recommending this for you, but I Mm -hmm. also want you to share this with your family, you know, the younger generations, because the earlier they start with this, the better it is for them, even children, you know, teaching them how to eat right and teaching them, you know, how to manage their sleep properly and their mm-hmm. devices and all those mm-hmm. things are so important to step in an early age. Definitely, definitely. Well, um, it has been such a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. Uh, this is Dr. Ronnie, who's an associate professor of ophthalmology, a functional medicine doctor. She practices in New York City. She has a new book that's going to be coming out uh, about macular degeneration at the end of January. Uh, how can people follow you? How can they find you? What's the best avenue? Is it your website? Is it Instagram? Sure. Give us... Yes. I do have a website, and if anyone has um, any specific questions, um, I do offer um, what uh, basically what I call discovery consultations. So it's a ten-minute telephone consultation. So um, many of my you know potential patients who don't live in the New York area, they use that kind of to just figure out you know whether it's. Um, worthwhile to come to see me or not in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is you can just, if you have a question, just contact me through my website. There's, um, there's a way to do that. And then I am pretty active on, on social media. Um, so I have two uh, uh, Facebook groups called Envision Health, E-N uh, Vision Health, and the other is Eye on Migraine. So any, if any of your listeners have migraine and want to learn about natural approaches to migraine, that's what you know. I try to promote in that group. So not pharmaceutical approaches, but natural um, nutrition and lifestyle-based approaches. And then finally, I'm on Instagram as well, and I do share a lot of great tips and sometimes even recipes on Instagram So um, you know to promote mm-hmm. eye health. So uh, I hope to... to, uh, to uh, have some of your listeners, you know, share their thoughts with me as well on my sure. platforms. So I'd love to get feedback from, from others. <clears throat> So I will certainly do that. Um, I have a Wednesday night Facebook Live uh, Q&A that has become very popular. And uh, so I will definitely mention you on that program. And also, it's always great to have more than one source of somebody saying something. And so now we're doing this together, and there are probably others out there as well. It just gives us more credibility and, uh, you know, people go, oh, there's more than one doctor actually talking about it. So, um, um, yeah, I think you definitely need to get the message out. And, and especially in the ophthalmic community, um, there is kind of a... Uh, kind of a distrust of holistic approaches. And when I tell, you know, my colleagues that, you know, I'm pursuing a different way, they kind of look at me a little bit odd. But um, I think, again, patients are are seeking and demanding um, other approaches. So I think think they will come around. And uh, because of that, I I needed to figure out a way to educate my peers. So um, I'm planning a course in 2021 Mm. for other providers to teach them about um, a nutritional and lifestyle approach to eye health. So I hope to get the word out to, again, as many of my colleagues mm. as possible, uh, just to understand, you know, the importance of these, these approaches. Yeah, that's, that'll be a great course. And uh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. So keep me posted there. Uh, so um, 
I want to thank you for coming on today, and I want to thank the audience for, uh, you know, contact Dr. Ronnie, uh, interact with her with, with questions or feedback. And uh, that's our show for today. It's a wrap. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in, and uh, uh, until next time, uh, take good care.